Hey everyone, Justin here with White Tail Theories Podcast. On the mic, we have Adam Tucker. Um, if you don't know who Adam is, Adam is a Serviceide member. Um, I've known Adam for a little bit now when he first joined Serviceide. And also, he is a guide uh, for his own company, his own guide service, and it's called Adam's Appalachian Adventures. What's up, Adam? How you doing, Justin? Good, man. I am so glad we were able to get you on the podcast, not just because you're a service side member, but, you know, you're a straight up killer, man. <laughs> I, just, I appreciate I, it. I wanted to get you on here because, you know, we always see people and they do the social media thing and a lot of people are like, oh, man, not saying that, you know, we're not picking fun and saying, oh, that's not a good hunter and stuff. But, you know, I noticed with you, you're consistently putting down game animals, you know, not just whitetail, but also bear um, you know, p- pigs, you know, all kinds of stuff. So um, figured we'd get you on here and, and uh, kind of pick your brain and see how your seasons went. Awesome, man. Yeah, well, I had a pretty good shed season this past spring. I ended up finding uh, 30 sheds down here and had uh, four that was matching. Uh, covered a lot of ground, just doing a lot of scouting for this upcoming fall, learning a lot of new areas. So uh, I've done a lot of that scouting down around the upper coastal plain region of Georgia, but also I've done a lot of scouting in the mountains this year and uh, found a couple of good spots for this upcoming season. I'm really excited for September. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw recently your post and I was like, wow, I, I've never seen that many sheds laid out, not on the east side. I mean, I've seen them out west when guys take mm-hmm. their buggies and ride around and stuff and get them, but... You know, especially being for the east side. Now, Adam, we'll take a step back here. I want to jump into your seasons, a couple other things. I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, your Appalachian adventures. But let's talk a little bit about how did you get started out into hunting? Well, uh, when I was a kid, my dad started taking me. And, and you know, he, he actually introduced me, you know, to hunting whitetails in the big woods. That's how I first started out. Um, I killed my first deer, uh, in the big woods. Um, it's in a spot my dad and I call the, or 10 mile walk. It's literally five miles in five miles out. Um, it's, I killed my first deer in there and I've also had my first, um, mature buck experiences in there, you know, seeing them and, and I learned a lot in that area. And it's it's still a great area in there, and I still hunt it every year. And it's a uh, it's a tough place to go in, but but yeah, that's how I started out. And then of course, you know, doing that when you're when you're deer hunting back in there, see all kinds of bears and pigs, and that got me interested in bears and, and hunting them. And you know, I love archery hunting them and, and pigs. It's a lot of fun, especially when the deer aren't moving really good. Because if the deer aren't moving really good, I mean. You typically you usually see a bear or a pig, but the deer density is so low in the mountains of North Georgia. It's it's crazy, especially in the portion I hunt in. And, and when I was a kid, you know, it was a pretty big event just to see a, a small buck in the mountains. Uh, I mean, I've went up there and, and hunted hard for two and three weeks, not seeing anything, and then you know, one day you go and you're not expecting it, and you kill a good one. So you just got to be set up in the right area for sure. But yeah, I learned that when I was really young and, and, you know, I learned really fast that, that hunting them in the big woods like that, it's just completely different from a lot of like, um, hunting on small pieces of private land where there's higher deer densities. 
and I, I learned you have to be you have to be on them in the big woods. I mean, you have to be on some of the freshest sign you can get on. You got to be in some good spots. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I grew up in the Appalachian Mountains, uh, but you know, a little more north in the Virginia, Western Virginia area, and that's how it was, man. Growing up, I see more big bucks getting taken now, and that could be conservation. That could just be, you know, you got the Appalachian, you know, mountains run almost all the way from Maine to Georgia. So, um, you know, they can, you know, a lot of that's undeveloped, um, you know, especially like the Appalachian trail area, a lot of that's undeveloped and, you know, those animals can, that's a highway for them. They can, they can travel up and down. I mean, there's been collared bears, there's been collared, uh, other collared animals that have, you can see that they'll make their way up and down it. So, you know, it, it was, you know, growing up, I, I can relate to that. It seemed like there was, there was no big, big bucks and, and, you know, killing up what we called a basket or a scrub buck was like a feat in itself. But lately oh, yeah. I've been noticing, I don't know if it's because people are, maybe they're getting back farther or what's going on, but I know at least up where we were, you know, we don't have pigs, but there's a lot of bear and there's a good bit of deer, but I've been seeing some big, big bucks dropped. And then also in your area, um, you mentioned you were in like the North, North Georgia area. Yes. I'm in the Northeast Georgia, uh, mountains. That's, that's why I do a lot of my, uh, deer hunting and it's, uh, deer density is just really low there. Uh, there's some good ones. Don't get me wrong, but it's, you know, really far and few between. I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, a 105 inch buck, up there i mean that's that's considered a pretty good buck up there of course there's some big ones but it's like i said it's really tough and they're so educated i mean it's i mean out of all the places i've i've been to hunt whitetails i it's definitely the most challenging for me in my opinion well you're definitely getting it done though i mean you know you're you're putting down some really nice really nice deer you know from what i'm seeing i know we played a couple of your videos or at least a video from last year and i mean you're you're getting on them for sure yeah yeah god's really blessed me i've i've put a lot of work into it uh, i hunt in some really really remote spots i i do a lot of scouting um it, it's funny like you know in those areas i hunt like it's it's just it's work getting them out a lot of people you know they'll walk in maybe a mile and they just don't realize like all they're doing is a lot of times educating these deer and just pushing them a lot further back in there. And, uh, if, if you can, if you have the time and, you know, of course, if you just want to do it, if you can get as far back in as you can possibly push yourself, you'll have a lot better chances of killing a mature deer. Now, let me ask you, we'll, we'll kind of jump down that. I'm just curious about your scouting. I mean, we're, we're coming into summertime. So, you know, I understand that that patterns change and things like that, but you know, kind of uh, for our listeners and, and also, you know, I'm kind of curious, are you, uh, I mean, are you just a boots on the ground as, as many chances as you can get, or do you utilize cameras? Do you do a little mix of both kind of get, give us without giving us the secret sauce over here. What, what do you kind of do to, to either prepare for the season or, or when you're scouting? I, I put boots on the ground. I do a lot of walking and, and, you know, I do look on maps and, and, and things like that trying to figure out new places but mostly what i do is just go out and walk i mean i like to go out and learn where they're at learn where they're bedding and and just kind of see what what they're doing and in the summertime when i do scouting i mean it's i don't go really close to their bedding areas because i don't want to mess them up right um i usually typically i'll just look at historical sign 
in the summertime. I mean, really the best time to scout, in my opinion, is late winter, just right after deer season ends. I mean, that's that's like after this, this past season ended, uh, literally the day after it ended, I went right back in the woods just trying to learn these deer that I was hunting and just trying to see exactly where they were bedding. And and you'd be surprised at some of the just just some really like aggressive terrain they, they bed in, just some steep stuff and, and rocky stuff in the mountains. It's I mean there's no wonder, you know, a lot of those giants don't get killed. I mean, I run cameras a lot in the rut and I get some good deer on cameras, but I mean I just try to stay after them. And, and another problem with the cameras, a lot of people don't realize is, you know, with the bears in the area, I, I can hardly run a camera that efficiently. They, most of the time I put a camera up and it gets, it gets torn down. Uh, I've had so many cameras get just ripped off the tree or even busted and broken up just by them chewing on them. Uh, oh, okay. They smell where you handle them. Yeah, that's, that's a problem with it. But I mean, if you can wait until, like I said, you know, our deer rut pretty late in the season so it's like you know after thanksgiving usually the bears slow down a lot that's when i can run a lot of cameras but the problem with it still is you get those warm days in the winter time and those bears get on the move and if they see that camera it's over <laughs> just, <laughs> just from my experience. Little, little snack for them huh yeah they destroy them it's it's drove me crazy but i've i've got a few spots where i hang cameras in that i, I haven't had them mess with them too much so Dang man, that's that's about as bad as our bear problem down here in Florida. It sounds like, but we can't, we can't, unfortunately can't hunt them. But I can tell you guys got a good population because they're coming down into here. And I mean, there's, I had a cousin that was at Disney World. It's about an hour and a half from the house, and uh, she was sent me a picture of their hotel. There was a bear swimming in it, and I was just like, man, my goodness. Yeah. See, we've got a lot of bears in the Northeast Georgia mountains. Like it's. It's ridiculous. We definitely have a lot more bears than we do deer. I mean, by far, um, we've got a lot of pigs too. Um, definitely, in my opinion, more pigs than, than deer. We have a really low turkey population too. But, but the deer, there's just I don't. know, You can cover a lot of ground there doing scouting, and you can get your feelings hurt. I mean, you can cover a lot of ground and not see a track. I mean, I've done it. I've had a lot of. I've had a lot of unsuccessful scouting trips where you just don't find a whole lot. But when you do find some deer sign, I mean, you've, you've got to remember, you got to remember where you're at because if you can set up close to where those mature deer are bedding, I mean, if you can, you find one of their little faint trails, you can kill them, but it's all about hunting it, you know, in the right conditions and being there at the right time because these deer where I hunt in the Appalachian mountains, they don't, they don't do a whole lot of daytime movement until about Thanksgiving. And even then it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty rare to see one in the daylight, even then, like in bow season, I've hunted and hunted and hunted and not seen any deer over one and a half years old. I mean, I've, I've maybe seen maybe one or two, two and a half year old bucks, maybe three and a half in the early season in the mountains. But they just don't have to do a lot of movement because, you know, I mean, where they bed, they've got food, they've got everything they need. And, and if they do move, typically it's night. But, you know, when the rut kicks in, like like I said, around Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving, they start getting up and moving around a lot. 
I mean, you guys got some pretty, you can get, that terrain up there can get pretty rough, right? You know, as far as oh, like yeah. caves and cliffs and things like that. Yeah, I've, I've even got one spot where it's, it's literally like a, a giant, like, it's just a big, steep bluff. And it, it's funny, I was just thinking about it. Uh, I climbed to the top of it back in uh, early January, and I jumped a buck on it. And he was literally bedded off the side of this cliff, and it's, it's kind of like a cave below it. And there are some little deer trails way on down below it, kind of uh, next to a logging road. And he just beds up above it and watches those trails. And he can smell, you know, whatever's down there, too. I mean, he knew I was coming from a mile away, I'm sure. Uh, but I heard him jump up and run. It's pretty cool, some of the stuff they bed in up there. It just, it'll blow your mind. But, yeah, there's a lot of caves up there, too. I've found caves where bears bed in them and, and hogs a lot of times. It's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, you guys got a little bit more hiding spots than us. It gets kind of swampy here, but, you know, I mean, that's a, that's a thing, man. I've, I've noticed some big bucks, especially in Virginia, you know, growing up, we had a, we had a monster buck. Don't know how old he was. He was an old one, but they don't get that big by being stupid. You know, they, they're smart. He would, he would sit at the very top of a bluff also, and he would watch down on the logging road, and then he could obviously smell really well there too. And then it's what happened was one day my uncle was starting, you know, and that paranoia kicks in. He's like, man, I got to get this deer. Like I've been chasing this forever. So what we did was he was like, I want you to sit right here on this logging road. He's like, don't move, sit right here and look at the top and let me know if anything happens. I was like, okay. So I was young. I was probably 10, 11, 12 years old. I didn't even have a gun with me. He goes to the top of the mountain, walks around and I see the buck look over his way and then just scurry down real slowly down the mountain towards me. And, and, and that's what's happened. He was just waiting on you to come. He did, I guess oh, he yeah. didn't notice that there wasn't both of us there anymore. Maybe he didn't pick mm-hmm. that part up and we were able to figure it out and he ended up killing him the, the year after, but they, they're slick, man. They're slick. Oh yeah. They, they definitely are. I mean, they know they can pattern you so well and you got to think, you know, a lot of these places where I'm hunting these deer up there, it's like, so remote and and when they pick up on any human scent in that area they know something's not right immediately i mean they know you know they go most of the year without smelling anybody right, right. back in those spots and then they they can pattern you really quick and i've had them do it before and that's why I, you know i've got to be really careful about when i kill one in a spot uh if i you know in georgia get two buck tags so if i kill one and i still got another tag i'll typically drag it a good ways away from that area if i think another buck's in that area and i'll gut it somewhere else because i don't want to get back in there and gut it in that spot i killed it in and then attract all these predators and push out the buck another buck that i'm hunting because in the 2020 season i had a spot that i'm i'm telling you about that uh you know i i killed a big nine point in that spot and didn't gut him in the exact spot I shot him in and uh i knew there was another deer in that area and i didn't want to mess it up so i kept hunting it it took from let's see i killed that deer on the 28th of november the nine pointer i ended up killing the other buck i was going after on the 23rd of december so it took a while to get this other buck but i didn't put too much pressure on it i would i tried to be consistent about hunting it but i didn't hunt it like you know, every day or even every other day, 
I would just go every so often back in there, you know, morning set, evening sets in that spot are just no good. But I kept hunting in the morning and he ended up coming out. Actually, when I really least expected it, I figured the season was pretty much done. I remember sitting there just, I said, you know, I'm happy and content with, with the nine I killed. I don't really care if I feel this second tag or not. I wanted to, but, you know, I figured it would be one of my last hunts there. And sure enough, that, that buck came out in that spot <laughs> and I killed, I couldn't believe it when I killed it. I mean, you could hear it on the footage. I, uh, you just, I couldn't believe it. It's, it's really, it really surprised me because it's extremely hard to get two mature bucks in the Appalachian mountains where I live. Like it's, it's very hard. And I put a lot of work into it that season. And I found that spot I'm telling you about early in the season and I found the, the buck sign and I knew when I killed that nine point, I, you know, I, I was going back in there and I kept finding more and more fresh big bucks on. I was like, oh man, there's another one in here. But yeah, I was blessed I got him. I mean, I didn't, I thought he might just be moving at night, but I, I think, you know, I, I didn't put the gut pile right where I killed that buck, the nine point. I moved it and then gutted it. So I didn't attract all those pigs and bears in that spot and coyotes because like I said, you do that where I live and hunt it just it usually messes your spot up if you have another tag you just don't want to you don't want to do that in your spot if you know another one's in there yeah no no for sure for sure and I mean you guys it sounds like have it a little worse than us I mean uh down here it's kind of the same way we do we do more with turkey on on private land I mean I I hunt (laughs) a lot of public land I have five WMAs within an hour of my house but uh, you know, on our private land, we got a we got a decent amount of, of flocks, and um, you know, if you put any gut piles or anything down there, it just it attracts more hogs. You know, the the hens down here will, will lay a nest on the side of the road. They'll put it at the corner of a trail, like right in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what they're thinking. I'm like, you should hide this a little better. <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm surprised they don't put it on the road half the time. Um, and, uh, it's funny cause every time someone comes down here, you'll see a turkey take off across the road and everybody that, that sees it, they're like, was that turkey just sitting there on the side of the road? I'm like, yeah, it's, that's probably where their nest is. And it usually is, but those, those hogs come in, they destroy all the eggs. Then, then they get your turkey population. So that's probably why your turkey population is struggling is, I mean, you got pear and you got hog and then coyotes and it seems and then like raccoons farther. and all that stuff. Raccoons, I mean, it's... possum, and nobody, nobody's out there, man. I mean, I do it more so now because I had a conversation with uh, with Austin Delaney from Mossy Oak, and he was just stressing it. Andy's been stressing it to me for a while. They're like, dude, when you go hunting, you have to kill coons and possums when it's in season. They're like, if you care about your, you know, smaller populations there, because they will freaking just deprimate it. So I've been trying to make that a point lately, but nobody goes and does that much anymore. So no, you know, that's, why, that's why those populations are struggling. Right. We've got a lot of uh, coon hunters up around uh, where I live in the mountains. But, yeah, it's, it's not something you see a lot of people doing a lot of these days. And a lot of people don't realize those bears and pigs are hard on fawns, too. In the oh, mountains yeah. i mean you gotta you gotta think you know we're where i hunt you know is most of it's old growth i mean they don't really have a whole lot of places to hide which isn't you know really what you want for deer uh it's perfect for bears of course and, and stuff like that but you know these fines i mean they drop them and i know for a fact the bears are getting them i mean i just know they are we've got so many bears i know they're getting them the pigs are um 
and then of course we've got a lot of coyotes up there uh i mean it's just they got so much working against them you know and it, it makes it tough on deer up there that's why another reason why we've just got such a low deer density well i tell you but, what man we got a simple fix to that we're gonna you're gonna need to post some hunt swaps i'm coming up there we're gonna we're gonna put a little dent in them and see if we can't help the deer population. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It definitely it definitely need it. I mean, it, it's a lot of fun bear hunting. I mean, it's there's a lot more people getting into it nowadays too. Well, good. I mean, so if that's, the population's that high, I mean, I'm not saying get out there and freaking exterminate everything. Maybe the hogs, but you know, and a lot of the predators, if you can. I mean, if you if you want your right. game species to do well, but I mean, gosh, I mean, the the more the the merrier. If you guys got a population problem, I mean, you got, somebody's gonna have to fix it. Oh yeah, and it's it's tough, and and I think another thing that's helped us get some bigger deer too. I forgot to mention is I think there's a lot more people that that pass up on smaller bucks nowadays and i know that's happening everywhere yeah yeah but it's sure. definitely something that that i notice in there up up in the mountains because you know when i was younger like i was telling you you know there's a lot of young deer used to get killed a lot more back then in my opinion i used, used to see a lot of just you know spikes and just all kinds of you know year and a half old deer but nowadays i mean it's a lot more people are hanging cameras and then they see what's in that area I mean, they'll see a big buck on camera or something. That, I mean, that's what they want to go shoot, you know. Yeah. So I think no, I think sure cameras right. have actually helped it a lot, honestly. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone about that not too long ago where I was – I don't remember who it was, but we got on the conversation with cameras. It might have been uh, Spartan cameras I was on the phone with, but we were talking about them, and, and that was one positive that I take from it. Now, obviously, we all say there's no – nothing better than boots on the ground – but if you're not wanting, you know, if you got a big mature buck in there and you know he's in there, you done seen him in there a couple of times, you know, why not put a camera and stay out of there, especially if no one else is coming in there? You know, not only are you let, making him less stressed out, which in my opinion, I'm not a biologist by any means, but from what people have told me, I mean, if they're less stressed out and there's less going on, obviously, yes, we know you're going to end up killing him. But, you know, he might be able to at least get his, his seed off, um, you know, a little bit better, in my opinion, than if you know right. you're blowing that spot up every weekend trying to get him and he's trying to avoid you oh yeah cameras definitely definitely help i mean and even you know when you get that big buck on camera you'll be chasing i mean you can sit there and watch his body language and you know kind of figure out how he behaves and it may not you may only get one or two videos of him but i mean you really need to sit there and observe what they're doing in those videos and you know I've been sitting here working on a lot of uh, my videos and editing and stuff, and I got some trail camera videos of some uh, big bucks in the mountains and some really, really just remote spots that don't get pressured very often. And uh, those bucks in the videos, I mean, it's in the, it's in what I would say probably peak the rut. I mean, they're moving daylight. They are like so on edge looking around and, and the funny thing is I've even got them on camera. It's big deer too, looking at the camera, try, like getting spooked, trying to figure out what it is. And, you know, I've got the cameras in spots that are, you know, pretty well hidden, but they know, they know when something's off. Yeah. Those, sure. those big woods deer do like, they just know when something isn't right in a spot. And, you know, that's why I stress a lot is if you got to have a really good setup to kill those big mature bucks in the mountains, because, Man, like any time I've ever, you know, 
been in a bad spot, I, I won't have any kind of success. I mean, you know, I do a lot of hunting off the ground for these deer. I don't really get in stands much. I mean, I've got a few places where I get in a stand in the mountains, but a lot of these places are so far back in where I'm hunting. I'm not, I don't, I don't take a stand and I'll just hunt off the ground. And, uh, what I'll do is just back up against a tree to where I, I don't have much of an outline because you don't want any outline. You don't want them to see your outline. You want to be backed up against a tree. You don't want to be leaning forward or nothing like that. I mean, I know you have to move occasionally, but you want to try to sit still with them because any amount of movement or, or anything like, you know, your outline showing or whatever, they're going to catch that kind of stuff really quickly. I mean, I've seen them catch it even when they're like rut crazy. I mean, I've seen them catch on to that kind of stuff and spook. They'll do it. Now, Adam, I want to I want to kind of talk a little bit here about your your guide season. Um, uh, you know, it's you know kind of why we're getting on this because I mean we're getting into the type of hunting that you do. Um, so I feel like that's a good transition point. But tell us a little bit about what you have going on with the with the adventures. Yes. Yeah, so uh, with my guide service, you know, I'll take people out I've, this year i'm gonna start doing a lot of uh, public land stuff and taking clients out on public land and uh you know I, i'll take them to if they're wanting to go kill a bear you know i've got a few spots i know to go to that are just i mean they're just ate up with them it's just you know it really depends on how well the weather is and how all that's going like the wind direction everything i've got one spot it's it's one of my favorite spots it's um uh, a really it's a big cave and you can set up around it or even above it for that matter and you could hunt in a stand there if you wanted to but you could get away with being on the ground and uh those bears go in and out of that cave and uh, you can you can lay them out there and pigs too you know a lot of these places i uh, take clients to you know you got a chance at both i mean you could see a, a bear or a pig and uh, i've i've found literally black bear beds not very far off of where pigs will bed it's crazy but they they usually use similar areas i've found but where you find where the pigs are and where the bears are there won't be any deer sign around those areas so the client just pretty much tells me where they what they want to hunt so we'll go off you know from there but so you got yeah, to do just kind of one or the other then you kind of yeah if you're a bear yeah. hunting you should really be bear or pig but if right. you're if you're uh if you're deer hunting then you'll be in a spot where you most likely won't see a bear oh yeah yeah because those deer they just don't run with bears or pigs i mean you just you don't ever see those two really you know around each other but like you know with the bears and pigs i mean i i can I've, i know of several spots i'm just off the top of my head that i could go to and i mean either one could come out like you just don't know i mean i've i've been expecting one and then the other comes out so it, it's definitely you know anything can happen and you know probably for hogs anyways i've killed most of my pigs in the evening but you know with the bears i've seen them all day like i mean morning evening even in the midday so it just depends really and, and you the good thing about you know bears is i can hunt them off the ground and you know they can't see very well at all but they can they could smell 
So I have to make sure the wind's just right because if it's not just right for that spot, then I mean, they, they probably won't even come around you. It's just like with the deer, they know when something's wrong. So you play, you play the wind. I mean, the wind, it sounds like primarily is what you're playing, whether you're deer or hunting in those mountains. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, I don't want to walk literally five miles into my area knowing that the wind is just going to be horrible because those deer will bust you or with bears. I mean, you know, they'll do it. And, you know, if I know it's going to be bad around the the county or the area I'm going to be hunting, I just, I won't even go in it because it's not worth me messing my whole spot up. Um, I mean, I've, I have killed a good buck or two, uh, in high winds, but it was peak of the rut and, it was just, you know, got in the right spot at the right time. And uh, the wind was blowing the right way, but it was it's something I wouldn't recommend because it could go wrong really fast. I mean, I've had it happen so many times where I get in a spot, the wind blows the wrong way. And I've had instances where I can tell you, just by the way they behaved, it was a mature buck that busted me. Mm. Well, you know, I mean, too, as many times as you're in the woods, that's a numbers game at that point. That's probably why you've been, you know, you've had success during those times is because, I mean, as much as you get out, I mean, is that kind of how you uh, wanted, you know, kind of how you went about starting your guide service? Just, well, I mean, be, being boots on the ground, it obviously seems like you have a, a wealth of knowledge. You have a ton of notches under your belt when it comes to mature bucks and, and nice bears and even big pigs. Um, is that kind of what kind of took you down that route of wanting to do a guide service yes yes definitely definitely i mean and you know i have i've had so many people over time just you know ask me questions about you know going bear hunting and and just wanting to shoot bears or, or big mountain bucks um and i just figured you know i'd start doing it. i love taking people out and i love seeing other people have success you know i, I love my like my wife for example it took her, I think, two or three years to get her first mountain buck. She always wanted to shoot one. And like I was telling you, you know, it's, I told her, you know, it's hard to see a mature one. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be difficult. And we had one or two opportunities and it didn't, it just didn't work out. And she ended up shooting a young buck her third season. And I think she was just as happy with that <laughs> as anything else. And it felt good you know, put my wife on one and, you know, it got me to thinking, you know, down road, I was like, I'd like to do that, guide people, because I love teaching people about, you know, hunting big mature mountain bucks and and bears and pigs. I mean, it's just, you know, something I love to do. You know, that's why I spend a lot of time scouting too. Like, yeah, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not killing, you know, I'm out scouting, but I, I learned so much about it. It's something, even when I was a kid, I would go out. I mean, I can remember vividly going out in July and just walking just walking doing scouting in bedding areas and busting deer up and trying to figure out why they were in that spot and trying to figure out what i do in both seasons so i've been doing it for a long time you know putting a lot of work in scouting and and just trying to learn their behaviors and i've been blessed and and had some success with them yeah that's that's awesome and i know when we met it was it was it was awesome seeing your stuff because you know where you're from it reminds me of where i'm from um except you're a little bit more south but just the you know we don't have pigs in in virginia at least in the in the spot that i was so you know 
it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't know it, it reminded me of home but on a different level but the one thing I tell people I'm actually doing this uh, with snow geese this summer um, you know I tell people I love a guide like how you are where you're wanting to teach yeah obviously you got to pay the bills and stuff but I mean your prices are fair and we're gonna put um, your website and stuff on the show notes for people to check out but the great thing I love about it is getting with someone like you to do a guide service, you know, go out, spend a little bit of money. The the education that comes with that far exceeds the experience of just going and killing an animal just, you know, that someone helped you get on. Like you're gonna you're gonna show them how to find the animal on public land. You know, you're they're gonna they're gonna be following your lead pretty much. And especially if you're successful, um, it's gonna stick with them the rest of your life. And not only have you taught someone to do the same thing you're doing um but you're also kind of sharing like your values and why you target mature bucks and like you're kind of sharing the history of it and you know hopefully put that goes towards conservation right right i mean it's that's what i like about guiding is you know like yeah i love seeing you know big buck or a bear get put down on the ground you know i love that don't get me wrong but i love teaching people you know like why they're here what they're doing like i mean i just love teaching people about it because i want them to go out and have success at it themselves too because you know i I took out for example i took out a guy this past fall and he just he just wanted to learn you know about these mountain deer and i just took him out to spots and showed him exactly what they do and then tried to describe it just you know i showed him those spots for examples for where he hunts in the mountains to where maybe he can learn how to how to be successful because it, it is tough i mean it's it's really hard when you're going at it and you're new and you're going in the big woods i mean a lot, a lot of people just don't think about it but it's i mean you got to think a, a deer in the big woods could literally go anywhere i mean in the county i hunt in like most of it is national forest so i'm hunting in one spot and then there's thousands of acres that deer could i mean they could be anywhere and yeah i may know where it's bedding at but it's probably got eight or nine other spots at beds (laughs) you know so i mean it it could literally be anywhere i mean that's why it's such a a good feeling when you know i get one on the ground it just feels so good i mean you know you it's just such it's so tough you know and uh it's kind of like this past spring when, when i was doing some turkey hunting i wanted to go check out this bedding area that uh we'd found in the mountains uh, i told my dad about this spot i had found i'd found a lot of big buck sign in and he went kind of close to the area where i found that sign in I, I described it to him and he found the buck's bed that was using this spot and he found a shed next to its his bed so we went back this spring and i just wanted to just get inside his bedroom and see like you know where it's at and man it is in one of the most just like out of the way just just spots that you wouldn't even think about and it takes forever to get to it but we got to it and and i was just it was funny we got in there and the new foliage you know it's come up everything's greened up pretty good up there at that time when we were in there and uh i found me and my dad found four of his beds where he'd been laying in different spots and I know it was him. He's only got one trail in there. And there's like literally maybe, I don't know, three or four rubs 
around it and of course they're big rubs and you can see his big hoof prints in the dirt around there and there's just these few little beds and man i went all over that place looking for his sheds but <laughs> it made it difficult finding them with uh, you know the green foliage but but yeah it just felt good figuring out where they're bedding and, and teaching people stuff like that because it's hard to learn i mean yeah, it's for sure it is it's it, a lot that that's a great thing you know that's why what like the snow goose hunt i'm going on you know i i consider myself a, a pretty pretty knowledgeable hunter i mean i've been hunting my whole life i've been all over the place i do a lot of public i'd go up by myself all the time i'm like how you are i'll go out man for eight ten hours if i can do it on a weekend you know my girl will be like i gotta go do this i'm like all right well i'll see you tonight and i'll go scout all day take the take the river canoe in put some cameras out but going with someone like you especially someone's first time they kind of want to evolve in their hunting experience you can always do it yourself um, but you know i always recommend if you can meet up with a guy such as yourself um, that's going to actually teach you on top of also being able to pattern and and chase the animal not just you know uh, go to the food plot or you know on private land which like i said i'm not taking a jab at that because we also have that right. also but oh yeah totally. it is different hunting it's different styles of hunting different and if you're style, the person right. that you want to learn that style i mean that's the best way to do it man and I, like i said your prices are not that crazy what do you you offer like a, a deer a deer i mean a bear hog combo and stuff like that for like three days or something right yeah and i do a two-day trip and uh it just depends on really what the client wants to do um you know I, i've done more two-day trips lately you know just like on weekends and stuff right. um but yeah i also offer three-day trips as well you know i mean good thing about three-day trips you get to you know you get to be out there more and just kind of soak up everything and, and you know i you know it takes a while to like it's hard to teach somebody everything just oh, yeah. even in three days, you know, I mean, you got to think about it. Like there's just so much to learn from them. And, uh, you know, like when I was a kid, you know, literally, you know, I learned, you know, from my dad and I also learned from making my own mistakes with mature bucks. I mean, I can't tell you how many mistakes I made when I was a kid. And if I, if I could literally have all the mature bucks that I have messed up on when I was a kid, oh, it wouldn't even be funny. Well, you know, but that's the thing, you know, you're just more so nudging them in the right direction and then, right. you know, they have to kind of evolve and, and, and learn on their own unless they want to keep coming out and being like a regular client. <laughs> oh yeah. That, and that's and, the thing, like you really want to observe a whitetail's patterns. Like you want to observe them. Like a lot of people, you know, and I'm not saying nothing's wrong with this, but a lot of people will kind of think like what a, what a hunter will do they'll listen to a few maybe a few other hunters and, and get an idea but the thing is like if i listen to somebody out in the midwest talk about how they kill deer and their tactics i'm probably not going to be very successful using their tactics in the appalachian mountains uh, it's just it's not going to work like that oh yeah you know, for it, sure man for it, sure it's so you know it's so different like you you know that's why I tell people like, you, you know, you really have to pick and choose who you listen to. And, and, you know, you, you really want to just observe the animals in the area you're hunting. You really want to observe those deer. And, you know, like, like you said, you know, with cameras, you can do that, but really my favorite way of course, is just getting out and scouting. And, you know, I, I scout deer literally year round. 
So, I now, mean, that's that's how I learned so much. Do you see a lot of the mature bucks? Like, do you physically see a lot of them, or most of the times you're just seeing, like, you know, their tracks and scat and, and sign and things like that? Well, a lot of times I'm seeing a lot of their sign, but I've been blessed to see quite a few of them. And, uh, you know, being when I was younger, uh, some of the mature bucks I've seen, they really, to be honest with you, taught me a lot. And, you know, I just i'll tell a story just of one that i'll never forget the rest of my life i've seen um this is this is a huge mountain dude. this this one was in the 130s and that's huge for where we hunt that's a big deer um i was young and you know like i was telling you earlier it's a mature forest there i mean it's a big timber and i was young i think i was i don't know 13 and this giant buck comes out of his faint trail, and he's he's looking for a doe. I mean, it's peak of the rut. So I'm like, okay, once he gets past this big pine tree, he'll be in this little opening, and I'll make my shot, and it'll be dead deer. I mean, I already had the safety off. I was ready to kill it. Well, instead of that deer doing what I thought he was going to do, he gets in line with this tree, and there's a funnel that's kind of below me. He gets in that funnel, comes up to me, and literally, I, I mean, I can't do anything. I can't even see him because he's just in line with that tree. And he's kind of under me, if you understand what I'm saying. And there's a blowdown. So there's several places he could go through that's completely open, right? Like he could walk through and be fine. Instead of all those open spots he could have went through, this big bug chooses to go under a blowdown and belly crawl right in front of me. I watched him. All I just see was this big giant rag. And him drop down on his belly and just belly crawl through this stuff to get around me. And as soon as he belly crawled, he got out of there because he figured it out real quick right, that yeah. something was amiss. And I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, I just blew a giant, killing a giant buck. I mean, it, it was huge. And, uh, but those experiences, you know, taught me so much about, about those deer. I mean, they're just so different. I mean, they're just different from all the other deer I've hunted, like, you know, in Ohio. and Oh, yeah, southern um, deer, man, are a whole, yeah. a whole different breed. And, you know, service side, you know, because I was a member before I, before I started working here. And, you know, I remember in the earlier days, I felt like a lot of the stuff was the northern stuff. You know, PA, Ohio, Michigan, yeah. New York, things like that. And I was like, man, I seem like a, a lot of things that everyone was saying as far as, you know, I mean, it wasn't just service side. It was a lot of people in the hunting industry. It was, I'm like, where's all the southern people at? Like, we we literally own just as much of the country as you guys own up north. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm not seeing more southern deer. And I'm not talking about Texas southern. I'm talking about real southern right. deer, like us and Georgia and well, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. I'm like, what? Where is all this information? Because what's being said, like thermals and all that. I mean, it might apply to you, but where I'm at in the swamps, I'm negative twenty six feet you know, under sea level oh, or whatever. Yeah. I don't, totally. th uh, thermals aren't a huge, huge, you can't really use thermals to your advantage here. Um, at least I haven't figured out how to do it like I do up north, but you, you got to be able to apply in Southern deer is a whole different level. You know, I was talking to, to Austin from Mossy Oak and he said the same thing. He's like, dude, it, it, there's a reason why you don't see TV shows like in the South. Like you don't see Steven Rinelli from Meat Eater coming to Florida or South Georgia to kill deer. <laughs> like they, Cause like you said, you'll be out there two weeks, day and night, 12 hour shifts. 
might not see nothing. You might go out there one day after work smelling like oil or gas, and you might just get lucky because the wind's right. You know, it's exactly it's, you, you never really know. So, um, you know, for you listeners out there, you know, do what applies to your state. You know, if Adam's over here doing what, what's working for him in the south, it might work for you in Michigan, but it's probably gonna work for you a little bit better in, in that area. And, um, you know, real quick, I, I know that was a great story, man. And I, I love when people throw in stories. I, I have a similar one um, chasing a mature buck that I've been after for a few years. I actually watched him back up like he he winded me i thought my wind was good then it started swirling and he winded me and he he literally he literally backed up and i watched him put his head down and just slowly start walking backwards and then he bolted once he got about maybe 10 yards walking backwards he freaking bolted and i was like did dude i didn't blink i did not blink <laughs> like not sure oh, yeah, how they, he they saw know. me they're so smart. Like, I mean, they, they sense when something's wrong. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, um, for example, just this past season, I was hunting down around the upper coastal plain region in Georgia on some public land. And I was doing a late season hunt, you know, the ruts pretty much over by the point I was hunting and, um, literally had these, I was hunting on the ground too, by the way. I had this one spot I could go hunt on the ground that I knew where it was at. And it's hard hunting on the ground down in that region. You know, it's so thick and swampy and it's just tough. But anyways, I found this spot. It was literally right up against the bedding area. And see these three does and they, they smell me. They know something's not right. But, you know, instead of looking where I'm at, you know what they were doing? They were looking up in the trees. All three oh, of them were really? looking. Oh, really? God, yeah, man. I sat there and observed every one of them doing that. And I was like, they and I, they were 40, probably 45 yards away from me. And I was sitting there thinking, well, I could just hammer them. They wouldn't even know I'm here. I mean, they knew I was there, but they kept looking for that big, you know, bulge or whatever up in one of those right, trees. Right. And so, that's, what, that's what they're used to. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I utilize cameras because there are some spots. Like, I know I know where one mature bucks. I've been after him for a couple years. He's just smarter than me. I don't go back in there. I, I leave the camera. And, I mean, I can go in there and observe and stuff. But he's so smart that all I'm going to do is make it worse when it comes to him. I just need to make sure I can get in there for a day, find his routes, and then try to get on him on hunting season. Um, but a lot of this time, like you're not going to see something like that on a trail camera. You're not going to see another hunter maybe in a tree 50 yards behind your camera and the deer are walking by and they're, they're doing that. That's, that's one thing that boots on the ground. Well, many, but that's one thing that, that I'll highlight is yeah, like, gosh, man, watching a deer back out or belly crawl through some thick stuff. Like they do some, it, they're smart, man. They are oh smart. yeah. I mean, that that's why I say I've learned a lot of what I've learned is just from observing, you know, I learned a lot from my dad and I learned a lot from just observing, you know, these big mature whitetails and, and, and just like I said, even the three does, even the smallest doe that was with them, there was a, you know, there was a pretty small one with them. And, uh, she was even looking up in the trees, trying to figure out Teacher. where I was at because they knew I was in the area. You know, I was, I was in a, I was actually, it's a big chunk of public land and I was right in the middle of it. Like I was pretty deep in there and they, they knew immediately when they just caught just a little bit of my scent, something was off, but I was on the ground. I was backed up against a big white oak and I had no outline 
they never knew I was there. All they knew was I was in there, but they couldn't, they were just looking up in the trees. So that is insane, man. That's just, it's, it's crazy. I mean, as many times as I see it, even, even talking about it right now, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's wild. Like for, for, for fawns or yearlings to be looking up in a tree, like how insane is that? And, and you guys think, you know, hunting pressure is going to do that and it's tough hunting late season but you know i like hunting late season it's a you know it's a great challenge and you learn so much about them in that period like i mean even you know down around the upper coastal plains where there's a higher deer density you know you won't hear very many people killing a lot of deer in that area that time of year of course because the rut's over but not only that a lot of people don't think about there has been so much hunting pressure already just from september till you know let's say early november see that's why i mean they're just they've been hammered i mean they know you know that they better go get somewhere and hide i mean they're not you know they're not stupid i mean <laughs> no, yeah a couple of them will slip up but that's like in the mountains i mean you got to think like from september to november you know not well i'll say from september to early november in the mountains there's not a lot of big deer that get killed up there because like i said they're not rutting but when they start around thanksgiving there's a lot of guys that like to go hunt them on thanksgiving there's a lot of good deer that get killed on thanksgiving where i live but man when you get into mid-december it starts getting tough and around christmas like you you really don't see very many deer and uh it's just they a lot of times to be honest with you most of them will just move at night and you've got to really be very close to their bedding areas i mean you got to be i don't like to get in their bedding areas in the mountains but i like to get really close to them like at least you know backed up next to them because i I hunt a lot of their their, these faint buck trails and that's where i kill a lot of my big deer because i won't see them on those big heavily used trails i won't see the big mature bucks using those i see them on the faint trails because that's theirs you know you'll see a lot of the the young bucks, the year and a half olds, and even two and a half year olds, you'll see them on the big, heavily used trails. But if you're hunting one of those faint trails, typically that's where your big mature buck's going to be traveling. And I've seen it many times. And when I find a big mature buck bed in the mountains, there is going to be a faint trail right next to it. And it'll typically be like one or two little bitty trails. So, and, and it, it can be hard to see. So... Now, let me ask you, we're, we're, we're touching on about an hour here. Um, you know, definitely what I'm going to do is when I release this um, for the month of June, when I put this podcast out, um, I always put in the show notes and I also let, you know, the members know, hey, if there's any specific questions you want to ask Adam, uh, you know, we'll get you back on here and we can always go more into depth. But something that I felt like would be a good way to wrap up is um, obviously, you know, you've got years and years of experience, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of hours in the woods so i mean it's not something where just you know just so the listeners know like you're not going to go out right now and probably do this answer that he says and kill a buck tomorrow like this is just to help you but uh what would you say for those those guys that that kind of are after uh mature bucks what would you say is like the number one i guess maybe like takeaway like to kind of help them be more successful uh, out there when they're in the public land and they're trying to hunt a low deer density population, but there's still some, some monsters out there. 
you got to be patient because a lot of it's a mental game. I mean, I'll tell you the truth. Most of the big mature bucks I've killed have been on days where I just did not feel like I wanted to go. And I'd just be dragging in the morning, and then I'd get out there and I'd kill him. And a lot of the days where you're feeling it and you're like, oh, it's probably going to happen today, it usually doesn't happen on those days. So <laughs> you got to remember, you've got to be patient. Like a lot of people, you know, they'll get burned out within the first week or two of it. Or I mean, you just got to remember, like, in the big woods, they could be anywhere. And even even on private land, you got to remember, it's hard for private land hunters. I mean, I've I've done you know quite a bit of private land hunt myself. Uh, and the thing about private land is, you know, you've got one specific piece of land you might can hunt, but it doesn't mean that buck's going to stay there unless your land is in its bedding area. I mean, like I said, they could just be anywhere. So you got to be patient, regardless whether you're hunting the big woods or if you're hunting, you know just a small piece of private land. You got to remember they could, they can literally just be anywhere. Now I know every situation is different, but you know, we always hear, you know, we, we see it on uh, Instagram, Facebook, the social medias and things, you know, people are always asking how to get better and, and things like that. And it, it makes sense, you know, get out there, put the boots on the ground, you know, like you said, you know, a lot more people are letting smaller, smaller bucks walk. And, you know, like I said, this isn't a jab because at the end of the day, it's, it's your tag, you fill it. But a lot more people are doing that. I mean, same with fishing and, and killing jakes right. and things like that. Just that's just kind of the trend. And luckily it was trendy. So that's pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm glad that something conservation wise was trendy. But these last couple of years, I mean, you've really been on it. I mean, all on all spectrums. Was there something you're consistently doing um, normally considering every situation is different or is it all just, you know, kind of like in that moment? Well, you know, I've, I've done a lot of homework. Like I said, done a lot of scouting, just a lot of work. Like a lot of people, you know, they, they get pumped about the season and they'll do a lot of their scouting in the early fall but they're not thinking about deer in February or in turkey season. See, when I'm turkey hunting, to be honest with you, most of what I'm doing is just looking for deer sign and looking for sheds. <laughs> and even in the summer, everybody's out on the lake having a good time. I'm out burning up somewhere on the side of a mountain trying to figure out how I'm going to set up there in the fall. So a lot of it's just putting a lot of, a lot of homework into and a lot of scouting and also, you know, just being, you know, when you're out there and you're struggling, because I've done it before, a lot of times, you know, you'll be struggling in a season and you won't, you'll have two tags. I've had it happen. I had a season several years ago. I had both tags and I was struggling. I'd only killed a doe earlier in the season. It was in like September and I was struggling and it was December the 7th and I was like, Man, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to be content with what I've killed. If I don't kill a good buck, you know, so be it. And sure enough, when I got my mind right, like mentally, when I was just happy and content with what I had, that exact day, that evening, I killed a good buck, a really good mountain buck. And I think a lot of people, you know, they get anxious yeah. and they're trying to run and do different things, go different spots. And that can mess you up. A lot of it's a mental game, you know. Like I said earlier, you know, you got to be patient, and and that's that's the whole thing about it, you know. 
I heard somebody tell me one time, they said uh, that feeling you get or that moment when we all have had it where you're either in the stand or you're leaned up against a tree or sitting, that moment where you're like, well, time to pack it up. They're usually like, it always happens within 10 minutes of that. If you were to get up, you're either going to jump something or something was coming that way or, right. or you know, the wind, you know, the wind gotcha, whatever the case may be. But it's usually right in that moment that the success happens is 10 minutes after you're trying to pick up and leave. Exactly. That's, that's kind of like when I go fishing, for example, you know, I do a lot of bass fishing and I'm going, you know, pretty much for trophies. I, I like to throw big swim baits and everything. And for example, a lot of those times I'll be going out and I'll be like, man, I don't know what I'm doing out here. I'm probably not going to get bit. Sure enough, I'll catch a giant that day when I'm not expecting it. And that's why I'm saying people have got to like, you've really got to be ready for it, for it to happen because if you're not ready, it can just slip through your hands just like that. And I've had it happen many times and that's how you learn. You've just got to always be ready. And I mean, you can take that with any aspect. You know, when I first started fishing Florida in freshwater, dude, I went, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I probably went almost two years just catching small bluegill and little dink bass. And it was fun and it was cool to take, you know, the girlfriend out and things like that or someone's kid. But when I've really started putting the in it, when my work was the time, I would start canoeing to places. I would start um, instead of throwing in one spot and then moseying down the river or the creek, I started throwing in the same spot four or five times. And it ain't nothing to catch a 10 pound bass down here. Six pounds is about the average bass. And uh, I've caught, you know, 10 plus pounders on multiple occasions. And you know where it is? Those creeks that are half dried up. That ain't nobody getting down. That you got to get out of the canoe or kayak once or twice. Every single big bass I've ever, besides Lake Okeechobee, but every single creek and river bass I've ever caught down here that was a monster bass has been in those spots where ain't nobody going back to it. It's a little extra work. You're going to get sweaty. You're going to get dirty. Ain't nothing back here. And then you get back in there and that's where they're at. You know, that's, that's always what holds the monsters exactly it's it's just where you least expect it you know it's it's kind of like with with you know hunting those big bucks in the mountains you know usually it'll be in spots where i'll kill one and it'll be in a spot where there's very little buck sign i've had that happen many times where it'll be like i was telling you about just one faint trail one or two faint trails and there might be just a one or two rubs there and they'll be you know they won't be that fresh and I'll literally kill that buck in that spot versus one of the other spots that has a lot more sign in it. So it's it's crazy sometimes. It's It happens where you least expect it. You know, it's like the longer I'm in the hunting industry and like the more I'm around hunters of different, you know, calibers and levels and experiences and things like that. It's like the more I see like there is not a, a book that you can read or, uh, you know, a service like a guide service you can go to or anything like that where you're going to learn every single situation it's like almost every situation is different and then every time you get to experience that you just take a mental note and there might be a chance where you get to apply it again but normally that just sits in the old uh, noggin in the bank and and then you come across a different experience you know something crazy i i don't want to you know we're talking big mountain bucks here but a crazy story i had uh brian from pennsylvania come down and i kept telling him like dude turkeys down here will roost at five o'clock and it don't get dark till eight or nine. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. That that kind of seems like an exaggeration. He's like, maybe you think it's five. I'm like, dude, I'm telling you, like, I've watched dozens and dozens of birds flop in the roost 
at about 5 p.m., 5, 5.30. He's like, nah, first day he was down here, we watched a bunch of hens fly up in the roost. No predators. They didn't see us. We were in a blind, so there ain't no way they saw us. And uh, been walking by us all day. Flew right up in there at 5 o'clock, stayed in there till dark. He's like, I was like, yeah, we can't go nowhere now because they were roosted right near us. <laughs> so I was like, we're stuck here till dark now, but... Uh, you know, that's the thing. Like just because something doesn't do something in one state doesn't mean it's not going to do on the other. We have a saying down here. Uh, it rains on, on one side of the river and not the other. The deer will rut on one side of the river and literally will not rut on the other side. Um, it, it's, it's odd. It's weird, but you kind of just got to go with it. You know? Oh yeah, exactly. Like, like you say that, like in the County, I hunt in for, uh, mountain bucks, literally on the, uh, far East side of the County. The rut is typically, in my opinion, about a week or even more than that, maybe two weeks later than it is on the the far western side of that county. And this is a pretty small county I'm, I'm telling you about. And it's noticeable. I mean, like, it's crazy. Like, you'll hear of more people having success around, you know, a couple of days before Thanksgiving. And it'll typically be on the western side of the county. And then when you get in December, you'll start hearing about some big deer. And typically, it'll be on the eastern side of the county. So, it's crazy the way it works. I mean, you know, it, it just varies. Yeah, and so I mean, it, that's a good tip to take from that because, you know, that's you had mentioned it before. I usually use my phone and I also have a little notepad that I fold up and, and keep it in my bag uh, to write things down, um, you know, that I may forget. And that's something when when people are telling you these things, especially OGs, uh, you know, we have down here in Florida, our rut, I mean, they'll rut two, three times in a year. So it's really hard to, to figure out when they're going to rut. But one time I ran into this old guy um, real, real deep in the swamp. I mean, I was probably seven miles in there and he actually took a, a uh, one of those airboats in there and I actually canoed in there. Well, on the way out, I ran into him. And he's like, man, what you doing back here? And I'm like, I'm just scouting for deer for season. So he starts talking to me and he literally, he's like, I'm going to give you some advice since you, you know, kind of, you know, I see you putting the work in. Like, I mean, I literally hand paddled seven miles to the spot and there's only wow. one way in and one way out. It's the other part mm-hmm. of the river is blocked unless you have an airboat. And he right. told me, he was like, the deer only rut this week, and it's the week of Thanksgiving, and that's the only spot. All the other spots are like January, February, some of them are December, closer to Tampa. And he's like, but for <laughs> for some reason, the deer that are along this river, that week of Thanksgiving, he's like, Yo, normally that's when you're going to get them. And dang, the next year, I didn't get them that year, but the following year, I went back in there, and I killed one of my first uh, uh, bow bucks in Florida. So I'd, I'd killed some with the rifle, but I'd never killed one with mm-hmm. a bow. And it was just, it was so exciting, you know, and, and that piece of information, the point I'm making is when, when you get people that are giving you legitimate information, especially an old, old head or someone such as yourself, you know, take in it. Cause like you said, I'm sure only the locals know the difference in those rut patterns, you know? So, right. Right. It's it, a lot of it, you know, a lot of people they get you know really into like you just I mean you've seen it you know you'll be on social media and you'll be seeing all these people killing these big bucks in your county and you'll be like man what am I doing wrong? <laughs> but yet they may be hunting on on a different side of the county exactly. where the deer actually may be moving a lot better than the side that you're on. I mean I've seen it happen. I can't tell you how many times. I mean that's just the way it is. Yeah. You know. Well, don't get hard on yourself. I think that's a great. 
a great thing to end on. Um, so Adam, I know you kind of went over, we did a, actually a couple hot takes towards the end, but kind of to summarize this video, I'm, I'm sorry, this uh, podcast, um, you know, leave our listeners with, if you could leave them with a little something as far as a hot take, what would it be about this episode? Well, just like I said earlier, just really be patient because that's what's helped me through the years. You know, when I was younger, I, that's the one thing I took away from it. Um, you can't be, you know, getting upset and impatient if you haven't seen your shooter buck by 9.30 or 10 a.m. Because you never know it can happen at 1, 2 p.m. I've had it happen before. Some of the biggest deer in the woods I have seen has been at 1.30 in the afternoon. So it could happen at any time, and you've always got to be prepared for it. Awesome, man. Well, Adam, I really appreciate you jumping on here, man. Did you have anything you specifically wanted to talk on uh, before we close this up? Well, I'm on my YouTube channel. It's Hunting and Fishing in God's Country. And this summer and into the fall, I'm going to do a series on how to hunt um, big woods mountain whitetails. So I'll have a lot of videos on that. And, of course, I'll be sending some to Servicide, and, and they'll be putting some on as well about uh, mountain deer and, uh, and some other things as well. So awesome, I look forward man. to doing all that. Well, I can't wait to see it. I I know I loved last year you did something on uh, harvesting public land, um, game big game animals such as hog and, and deer and bear. Now, uh, as far as where the listeners can reach you at, what's the best way that our listeners can reach you if they're looking to either book a trip with you, maybe get a little more insight on some things, or, or just come down and, and do a little hunt with you? Uh, the best way to probably reach me is through Facebook. You can find me on there at Adams Appalachian Adventures or on YouTube at my YouTube channel, uh, Hunting and Fishing in God's Country. And I also have a Instagram page. It's Hunting and Fishing in God's Country on there. Um, yes, yeah, that's, that's probably some of the best ways to reach me. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to put it in the show notes for everyone. Um, but Adam, like I said, man, thanks for jumping on. I mean, we could, we're going to do this again. I, I'm going to get you on before you get too busy with season because, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I keep saying I, but service side, we want to put out some, some, uh, you know, good scouting tips before season gets here. We want to try to help those people to, to get out in the woods before it's time to actually take the animal um, so that they can learn and, and grow their woodsmanship um, and get a little bit better. So we're going to try to put some stuff out. So I'm definitely going to talk with you and, and we're going to get you back on here and uh, hopefully, you know, give everyone the information that they're looking for to, to also be a successful. I mean, congratulations, get on both of those seasons. I was, I was almost waiting every day of like, what's going to come up next. Cause I know you took your two bucks. And I'm like, well, it looks like a bear is going to be next. Right. I appreciate it. My dad ended up getting him a nice bear too, back in uh, December, actually this past season, uh, I was with him and, uh, we actually was in a spot where I was hunting for a big buck and we split up and the funny thing was we ended up, I'd seen, uh, actually four bears back in late November there and he ended up killing a good one in there. So uh, it was, it was definitely crazy. You usually don't kill bears very much in, in uh, mid December there in the mountains. Well, so. I'll tell you what, man, we're going to, I'm going to get you on because I, uh, I'm definitely going to get up there. You're not too far from me and I'm definitely going to get up there and I'm, I'm going to hunt with you. Um, whether it be me jumping on the guide service with you or, uh, you know, us figuring out a good hunt swap, but, um, 
maybe next time we get you on here, we will have your uh, your seminal buck taken, and, and you can finish your white tail grand slam. That's right, man. I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to get on some swamp deer. <laughs> well, we'll make it happen, man. But thanks again, brother, for jumping on. And uh, you guys are listening to White Tail Theories podcast.